0: Good morning, church. All three of y'all. Good morning to the rest of y'all. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here. We're in the midst of a series called Who We Are. Turn to your neighbor and say, who we are. Who are we? All right, that's what we're talking about. We're sort of the core ethos, our heart, who it is that we dream and long to be and who it is that we are becoming. Is that Jenica there in the audience? What's up, Jenica? Jenica got baptized last weekend after service. So cool. I love it, girl. It's amazing. Last week, we talked about what does the Bible have to say about justice. We looked at the passage from Micah 6, 8, where God says, here's what I require of you. By the way, if you've ever wondered or asked a question, God, what do you want from me? Anybody ever ever been there online, ever been there? Micah 6, 8 tells us, God says, here's what I require of you, to do justice, to love, mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. If you missed it, encourage you to check it out on our YouTube or podcast, search Greenhouse South Florida. You can find it there. This week, I want to talk about the nature and composition of God's family. This week, I want to talk about diversity. So if you stand to your feet, and while you do, if you want to look around the room and get a beautiful little picture right here, a little taste of heaven, every tribe, tongue, nation, and language, this morning, I want to talk about diversity. We'll be in Revelation chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible, we got you covered. Sky Bible on the screen for your viewing enjoyment. Are y'all ready? All right. This is going to be good, I believe, and hope, and pray. Verse 9, after this, this is John, the revelator. He is writing this vision he sees of heaven. Remember, Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven and so if we want an accurate sense of what we should be working toward on earth we need to fix our gaze on okay so this is a picture of heaven after this i looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation tribe people and language standing before the throne and in front of the lamb the lamb is jesus it's one of his many names They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. This is, I believe the verse that Malik read at the very beginning. Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. It's not just a song. We mean it. And so because we love you, we want to participate in what you're doing. And you told us your desire is that things would be on earth as they are in heaven. And so relation to this topic, would you speak to our hearts and give us your vision? In Jesus' name, all God's people said, give your neighbor a high five. You can find your seat. Tell him, get ready. I want to begin like this with a simple premise that I will back up with Bible. God loves diversity. Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves diversity. Turn to your other neighbor and say, it's true. God loves diversity. I know we think in our modern, popular, cultural context that we have become so enlightened, but diversity is not a human idea. It's God's idea, and he loves it. God loves diversity. I want you to hear some of our heart when it comes to diversity. This is from our diversity fluency. Leaders must become fluent in working toward the vision of a diverse, integrated, interdependent church. Jesus' mandate goes like this. On earth, as it is... In heaven, what is it like in heaven? Well, we just read it. It's every tribe, tongue, nation, and language worshiping before the throne. Now, diversity is not easy, and it is not natural, but it is absolutely glorious when it occurs. Jesus goes so far as to pray that they may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, so the world may believe that you sent me. There is a direct correlation between our fluency and unity and our mission to this world. Herein lies the challenge. Part of the world system is a gravitational pull towards homogeny, sameness, or similarity. While we are in the world, we are not of the world. Social scientists tell us that we tend to like people who are like us. We are naturally attracted to people with similar attitudes and customs and backgrounds and preferences. Churches are particularly prone to becoming gatherings of people who do little more than reinforce our personal status quo. And yet... The church is God's challenge to the status quo. In the world at large, as well as the heart within, because we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, we are regularly to communicate the call to build churches, house churches, and microchurches of unity within diversity. We recognize and verbalize the truth that the kingdom presented in scripture is made up of a very diverse group, multiracial, multiethnic, multinational, multilingual, multigenerational. The greater the diversity, the greater the ability to manifest this kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. It's like a sign and a wonder in the hands of God. It is also a tool through which God reveals parts of his kingdom that do do not manifest simply through one culture or perspective alone. How many of you have been through our Breakthrough Weekend? How many of you had a good experience with that breakthrough weekend? We we had a breakthrough weekend recently. We do some of them here in South Florida, some of them in Gainesville, where we all get together, all of our greenhouse churches throughout the state, including Guyana. And we had one recently, and I was with Pastor Mike, who's my pastor. We do sermon planning together. And so we were together last week, and he said, Man, John, you got to encourage your crew about breakthrough. I was like, All right, I will. And so he told me this story. He said, You know, I was there, and we brought a crew up of some 30 odd people from South, not odd people, but some 30 odd people. So 30 something people from South Florida. They were there in Gainesville. I mean, some of y'all are odd. Let's be honest, but not the point. They were there in Gainesville and our crew was hanging out. And Pastor Mike said there was a group of of some older African-American grandmas, 60s, 70s, 80s, that were hanging out watching the South Florida crew interact. And they were just watching. And he was like there and he's like, John, it was like five solid minutes and they are not talking. They're just watching. Right. And so he finally, he's like, I just had to know. And so he went up to him. He said, hey. What are you guys doing? And they said, we're just enjoying this. Now, I know some of the context because I went to school and worked in Gainesville for a while. Gainesville did not desegregate in their public school system until the 70s. These ladies had lived through, many of them, segregation and the hellishness that that was and the wickedness that that was in their own lifetime. And they're watching this group from South Florida, diverse as all get out, different ages, different demographics, different races, different socioeconomics. They're watching this diverse group interact. And Pastor Mike said, what do you think? And they said, man, we've been waiting for moments like this our entire lives. It just looks like Heaven. The reality is what we see in heaven is what we're taught by Jesus to pray on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. And God loves diversity. It was not just these ladies longing to see what God had in his heart and in heaven all along. It is the longing, it is what we were created for. God loves diversity. Here's what I need you to hear at the front end of this talk. Your culture is beautiful. One of the things I love about this church family is you look around, people are like, so is it a black church? Is it a white church? Is it a Hispanic church? I'm like, yeah. Is it a young church? Is it a college student church? I'm like, yeah. Is it an old wise ones church? Yeah. What is it? Well, we want to be a church like heaven. It's what we want to be. I love hearing different accents. I love when we have potlucks together, man. Ain't no potluck like a greenhouse potluck because a greenhouse potluck it does stop because everyone eats the food because it's beautifully diverse from all these different places. Like, your culture is beautifully created by God. One of the things about Revelation that's fascinating, heaven gives clarification on what God always intended for earth. That's why Jesus taught us to pray that way on earth as it is in heaven here is what is unique about heaven it does not say john doesn't say and i looked out and saw a nameless cultureless faceless mass of people indistinguishable from one another right what does it say you see distinct ethnos distinct people groups distinct languages distinct tribes why because diversity is not by accident diversity is by design your, whatever your culture is, whatever your family of origin gifted you with, it, in some way your culture, my culture, our culture, whatever your unique culture is, it uniquely depicts a component of the kingdom of God that is beautiful in its identification and that we need in this body. Amen? Much of the modern world is is catching up to this idea of the beauty and potency of diversity. But it was not our modernity's enlightened approach. This is God's idea. Are we clear here? Like culture does not have a trademark on diversity. God was talking diversity long before, and he will be continuing it for eternity. Here's what I could not get past this week. Why are we so bad at it? We live in a culture in the midst of the modern age in which we love and appreciate and venerate and dialogue about and by and large the cultural opinion is one that I have just articulated to you I have not said anything unique to what's happening in the general modern culture and populace and yet with this overarching general approach there's still racism and there's still hatred and there's still all of these realities but by and large especially as you look into the future of generational demographics the trend is man we love diversity so why are we so bad at it in implementation we don't have to look very far like look to the last election cycle god have mercy and the race wars and the politics wars and the hatred and the vitriol that spills out of our hearts why is there such a significant disconnect between what we all say we like diversity that's awesome yeah and what we're actually able to do in real life are you guys tracking with me Why do we say we like this so much and yet we're so bad at it? And there's a reason, obviously. kind of lay my cards on the table. I'll tell you what I think it is. I think just like in our topic last week when it comes to justice, if you remove God from the conversation, you miss the heart of the matter and never hit the target. Here's what I mean by that. In our modern culture, diversity has become the end. Culture has become the end. Diversity is the thing venerated. Diversity is the thing worshipped. Diversity, if we're not careful, has become the end, the idol. It follows the propensity of all of humanity where we take good things that God intended for our good, like sex, like parenting, like children, like diversity, and we make them ultimate things that we worship. We miss the potency and the beauty of what God intended When we take a good thing, like diversity, and we make it an ultimate thing, something we worship and venerate as an end, we lose the beauty that God intended. Here's my premise, and I'm going to unpack this with us together. We struggle with diversity in such a significant way because diversity is not about the glory of people. It's about the glory of God. I think one of the reasons we struggle in such a significant way in our modern world is because diversity is not about the glory of people. It's fundamentally about the glory of God. Now, Pastor John, what do you say? I thought you said diversity is awesome. Oh, it is. It's amazing. God loves it. He created it. It's incredible. But it is fundamentally about something much greater. See, Revelation 7 is often the passage that we reference that we've used to have this conversation with our church family, who, by the way, deeply longs, desires, and are actively pursuing a diversely integrated and interdependent community of faith. But Revelation chapter 7 only makes sense in the context of Revelation chapter 5, which means we need to look at what's happening there. If point number one is God loves diversity, which he does, point number two, which keeps this in appropriate tandem, is that God's kingdom is supreme. God's kingdom is supreme. My wife, Nancy, and I have two kids and our youngest, Lucia, is a little princess. Y'all were a little nervous there, what I was gonna say. She's a little princess. That's what she. I mean, this girl is so sweet. This is little Lucy. She, she wants her Anna and Elsa PJs. She wants princess everything. She, I mean, this girl is sugar sweet. She's a little empath. And my wife told me recently, she's like, man, this was so cute, John. Lucy got home from school, and she's like, I every time she gets home from school, she's like, I don't want to wear my uniform. I want to dress. I want to dress. And so she found some little dress and she starts she she put the dress on and she caught a glimpse of herself in the mirror and she starts she was feeling herself she's like ah she starts twirling and Nancy says she starts walking around the house saying your majesty your majesty and then he's like try to explain it. that's not how it works like we're supposed to call you but my son liam he didn't skip a beat this kid's sharp he's like yes lucy i am the king and you will call me your majesty And Nancy was trying to explain. And so Nancy's like, the entire day we just walked around and everyone was saying your majesty to everyone. It's basically what happened. Lucy's like, your majesty. And they're like, your majesty. majesty." Everyone was your majesty, right? And I'm like, this is so appropriately generational. We're all, you know, queens and princesses and kings or whatever, royal priesthood. I don't know, let's keep it biblical. Here's my point. Lucy's really cute and I like bragging on my daughter. But the second point is that there is no such confusion about who the royalty is in heaven on earth, your majesty, it's everybody. In heaven, it is abundantly clear. There are many and diverse peoples, but they are only singing one song, and here's the song. You, Jesus, are worthy. All these people, all these languages, all these tribes, all these, what does it sound like? I have no idea, but I'm very curious, but they're all in their diverse aspects singing one song. You alone are worthy. Look at this picture that's painted in Revelation chapter five. John says, then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and it was sealed with seven seals and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. Now, we're introduced to a few key components of God's kingdom if we are going to pray and live on earth as it is in heaven. Number one, there's a throne, which means what? There's a king. I know we love democracy. Amen for that. In heaven, it's a theocracy. He's a king, right? You're not like, well, God, we've been talking, and we think the general caucus has decided that actually, God's like, that's cute. He's a king, Now, the benefit is he is a merciful, benevolent, and amazing king full of love and goodness, but he is a king. He has the authority. Number two, there are seals. Not like, like... Ancient documentation seals. They are sealed up in documentation. There are these hidden things. There are these things that humans do not have access to, but there are these mysteries that we're longing to know, and apparently no human being is worthy or able to open these seals and access these scrolls, which means we're told by heaven that we need something outside of ourselves to accomplish what we long for and to be who we desire to be. Are you tracking with me? We are quite literally, there is no one worthy except him. There's this interesting contextual reality that I think is helpful for us to understand in the modern world that they would have gotten in the ancient world. Much of what the early church was doing in the ancient world was echoing back and flipping what would have been popularly accepted typically around the idea of Rome as supreme. Caesar would have been the leader. I think it's Augustus Caesar who they think would have been the leader during the time of Jesus. Caesar is a general title for this ruler and authority, and they had all these different names, and it was honestly a little hard for me to track. But in general, Caesar, and the idea is that Caesar is the man. In fact, they would say this phrase, Caesar is Lord. Sound familiar? Rome was the superpower. They were the empire. They built roads. They built commerce. They built trade routes. Literally, they were responsible on earth for some of the most prolific human flourishing known at that time period. And so people would say emphatically, Caesar is Lord. And then Peter stands up in Acts chapter two and you remember what he preaches? Jesus is Lord. There were these sayings that Caesar was a son of God. This was one of his titles. And one of the things that was talked about about Caesar is that Caesar, he was the son of God and only he knew the mysteries. And he would sit, literally a thought in the ancient world, he would sit at the right hand of the throne of God and receive these mysteries and these secret things because Caesar is Lord. And then John looks up and and sees, well, he sees in, in verse three. He said, who is worthy to open the seals and break the scroll, verse two, but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. Verse four, then I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. You're like, is he talking about Jesus? He is, he has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and it's seven seals. Whatever is inside of these scrolls and there's all sorts of debate because we fundamentally don't know. I mean, I literally, you scared them through, there's like 21 crazy smart theological camps of people. Like, well, it could be this and it could be that. We don't know. Angel's laughing because he's like, man, he's a Bible guy. He's like, I don't even know. But here's what is emphatically clear. No one in on earth is worthy to access this information except for one, and his name is Jesus. Whatever is inside of these scrolls, it is the answer to the human dilemma, but there is no earth figure that is worthy, but Jesus can. And I need us to understand that the whole context of Revelation chapter 7, beautiful heavenly diversity, is all about Revelation chapter 5, worship of the one who is worthy. Because diversity is not fundamentally about the glory of people. It's about the glory of God like, John, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is what's fundamentally at stake at the end of it all is the glory of God. What I mean by that is that there's part of God's kingdom that is only revealed when every tribe, tongue, nation, and language get together worshiping the lamb, worshiping the king, because the king is king over all the earth. Many peoples, diverse peoples, diverse languages, all singing one song, you are worthy. You are worthy. Matter of fact, why don't we just say that back to him right now all together? Jesus, you are worthy. Why does our modern world struggle so much with implementation, although we like the idea in theory? Because I'm convinced we've removed God. We've removed God. See, if you're going to accomplish a true unity within diversity, you need a common point of alignment. This is the failing point of our modern approach. Anybody know what this thing is up here? Y'all are good. Wow! This is a tuning fork. Some of you musicians in here. This is a tuning fork. What this is used for in some instrumentation, I believe this might be a violin tuning fork. Is if if you know anything about music, if you want to play something that sounds good, you need to be in tune. All right. That one was for free. You can take that home with you. You learned something in church today. You're welcome. But the problem is, if you only tune to yourself, let's say I had a guitar and and I tune the guitar and I get it right within itself, that might sound okay, but once I try to move beyond myself and play with other instruments, what happens? Chaos. Why? Because you need a common point, you need a common frame of reference, you need a common standard, you need a common thing that these diverse voices and instrumentations are looking for in order to find a beautiful and harmonious sound of unity within diversity. So you get one of these bad boys, you tap it on something, you put it on your hand and it puts out A440 and now everybody can tune to the perfect tune and you can all be on the same page even with diverse instrumentation and voices you can have a beautiful sounding orchestra. Are you tracking with the principle here? In all of heaven, you have all these, tri- I mean, he says it immeasurable. You ever been in a large crowd and it's multiple languages present? You ever been there before? Like it's called customs. It's chaos sometimes. People don't understand. People are trying to figure out, stay in line, blah, blah. This, this, I mean, figure out, these are human beings that are now in their, you know, what it resurrected bodies or whatever. But, Factor this in, you get an immeasurable amount of people. He said, I saw a crowd so big that no one could count. Huge crowd, all these different places, all these different cultures, all these different languages, and they are in lockstep unity. How in the world, not because they are that great, but because he is that amazing. They're so fixated on Jesus that they're just singing one song. He alone is worthy. And I'm convinced, church, if we ever, this is a continuation of the conversation that we have had together. If we ever want to get to a point of true alignment and unity, especially if we want on earth, as it is in heaven, diversity, then we have to do on earth as it is in, and here's what heaven looks like. Every tribe, tongue, tongue. Nation and language. We need your unique cultural contribution and perspective at the table. It is imperative. We need it. It is so important. It is so valued. It is crucial to us becoming who God has called us to be that you fully bring who you are. And yet we need that in alignment and unity as our hearts say, holy, holy, holy is is he. Diversity, I'm telling you, it's not... It's not about the glory of people, it's about the glory of God. And if we switch those things around and make this good, beautiful gift that is diversity something that we worship as an end unto itself, it gets warped and twisted. And we miss the potency of what God always intended. Here's the application here's what I'm praying that we would do as a result. I'm getting a picture of heavenly diversity which by the way according to Jesus as disciples is our target frame of reference. I'm praying that in the uniqueness of our cultural perspectives and tribes and traditions and languages we would set our hearts on giving the glory to him. That we'd give the glory to him. Verse 11. John continues, he says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. Somebody want to do the math there? It's a whole lot. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and honor and strength and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea, everybody, it's like a little mermaid in heaven and all of them singing to him who sits on the throne. Sebastian, eat your heart out. To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and glory and honor and power forever and ever. How in the world do we do this? When we bring diverse perspectives and diverse cultures and diverse ages and diverse nationalities together and have sustained unity, not tokenism, genuine, sustained unity from the heart. It only happens if we're thinking on earth as it is in heaven when we have a common point of worship. For the Romans, to him was Caesar. To him be the glory, it was, it was Caesar. He made roads he had a huge empire. He had military conquests, but it didn't last because the powers of earth will always fade. And if we operate with a definition of diversity that ends on earth, we'll never get heaven. Which is why the vision starts with heaven to bring heaven to earth. For the early followers of Jesus, that to him be glory, it was Jesus. He was the one worthy. He was the one who could open the scrolls. Here's my question for you what is the caesar in your life i know we're in church and the right answer is to be like oh it's god obviously but but i mean think about it for a moment if it helps you close your eyes what is the thing that you are tempted to give ultimate devotion time energy sacrifice and resources to what is the supreme that your life revolves around is it relationships is it sex Is it money, is it your kids, is it your culture, is it your tribe? You can look up at me. It's important to note in the conversation of heavenly diversity on earth as it is in heaven that there are real evils in our world today. There is an evil known as white supremacy and that is from hell and that is wicked and that is wrong and that is evil. But there are other supremacies that are equally destructive, if not on the surface, deeper down. There's also such a thing as child supremacy and money supremacy and Hispanic supremacy and black supremacy and Haitian supremacy. The point of revelation is not that one culture reigns supreme over the other. It's that Jesus, the king, reigns supreme. And every single one of our unique cultures expresses a virtue of God's kingdom that is so beautiful, beautiful that it leads us to a point of worship. In the past, we made the point that we need to value each other's culture, and value each other's unique differences and diversity, and this is absolutely and emphatically true. I'm trying to expand and continue this conversation. We've got an entire fluency here. We're living this in lots of ways. I sat there in pre-service prayer, which by the way, you're welcome to join any Sunday you want at 10 in the morning. I'm sitting there in pre- little plug, right? I'm sitting there in pre-service prayer, and I'm hearing, I'm I'm looking around. I'm like, man, this is beautiful. Different different nationalities and different cultures and different ages and different accents. I'm like, this is amazing. Church, I feel like we're living this, but I need to call us to something deeper than the earth vision for diversity because the earth vision for diversity is broken. Is that Preston? What's up, Preston? Love you, man. (laughs) Sorry, got distracted. If we simply operate off the earth's operating definition, we will end up perpetually frustrated thinking that people are the problem, but people are not the problem. I mean, they're always the problem, but our approach is fundamentally the problem. This is, God loves, we, we all should deeply value, honor, celebrate, appreciate one another's unique cultural contributions as they highlight aspects of God's kingdom. Are you guys tracking with me there? This is like, yes and amen, emphatic. Here's the problem. If all you do is do that, here's what it looks like. You get one cultural group say, well, you need to honor me. And then the other one says, no, you need to honor me. And the other one says, well, no, you need to honor me. And then the other one says, well, you, and now you're all of a sudden in this weird, awkward honor fest because all you've done, is focused on earth, whereas if instead you said each unique cultural contribution is supposed to point to an aspect of God's kingdom, but it's all supposed to help us get our focus on him. He's the focal point. To him be the glory and the honor. There's secondhand reflective glory of diverse cultures, and that's what it is. It's reflecting God's kingdom. No one culture has it all. But he alone is worthy of ultimate glory and worship. You're like, John, what's your point? Here's my point. Our only hope to see on earth as it is in heaven, diversity is that Jesus is the supreme. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the king. Because diversity is not about the glory of people. It's about reflecting the glory of God. Why doesn't this happen more? Because it's not what any of our cultures want to hear wherever you're at, if you're like USA, USA, if you're like, man, you're, you're, you're Boricua, if you're, if you're Haitian, if you're, whatever your cultural framework is, like we all like to think our culture's got everything, man, we're the best, right? It's like the World Cup gone like outside of sports, right? Everyone likes to think we're number one, like we're the best. And, and yet heaven says, actually, he's the best. And each one of us uniquely bring an aspect that if we can all work in tandem, we illustrate the gl- glory of God and the greatness of God in a way that's absolutely beautiful. I mean, I love the cultural contributions that God shows us and illustrates to us of the kingdom. Like, man, I get, I get together with some of my Haitian brothers and sisters. And I'm like, let alone, like, let's start with the food, man. Get me some bonas, some picklies, like grill. I don't, eat, I don't eat pork normally, but I mean, I might make an exception there. It's. And there's passion. There's passion. Like we get to go over in Haiti. We haven't gotten to go in a while because of the pandemic. And, but you're over there and worship. Man, you get caught up in worship. I'm like, I don't even know these songs. And I'm worshiping my face off crying. I'm like, how does this work? I don't even understand what we're singing. There's passion. Get around my Hispanic brothers and sisters. And I'm like, man, the cariño, the, the hospitality. It's so warm. I'm like, there's, that's something. Something about God's kingdom is uniquely expressed. I get around my black American brothers and sisters, Joy. Joy. I I do not laugh in the same way I'll get around, man, like, oh, man. Some of my best moments of joy, it says the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm like, I pray to God you have a diverse circle of friends and you have some black American friends. There is a strength of joy within the cultural framework, a joy that has helped to endure. Every single culture, every single Cultural contribution brings with it a unique component of God's kingdom. We're able to look and say, oh my goodness, that's incredible. But it's not supposed to be an end. It's a means to an end, which is the glory of God. Are you guys tracking with me? Your culture is beautiful, beloved by God, and beloved by us. But you're never experiencing the fullness of the culture and the cultural contribution that God intended for your life until it's being turned towards confession that Jesus is the Lord. It's like a Ferrari in the front yard. We could all celebrate it, but it's meant to be driven. Use your culture for what God intended it for and what it will ultimately be used for in heaven, which is to give him glory. Here's our heart. We acknowledge that there is a 100% chance that we will be offensive and will be offended. We expect it, and we choose this path anyways, and we prepare to repent regularly. Hashtag diversity. This fluency requires great wisdom. We do not call people to cease being who they are. We do not command people to give up their culture to be like another earthly culture. But we call each one to submit their culture to the kingdom of Jesus. We admit the temptation to believe that they are all the same, but we are unique. We recognize that all dark people, light people, eastern people, western people, old people, young people do not think the same, and we cannot approximate their viewpoint. There is a diversity and a fullness even among culturally similar people. Ultimately, we realize the temptation to exaggerate our differences and ignore our commonalities. And here is our commonality, Jesus. We adore and seek and experience Jesus together. Any supremacy that finds its origins on earth will ultimately warp and crumble, which is why all of heaven reflects only one that's supreme. Jesus is the Lord. I'm gonna close it here in Revelation chapter five. And I want us to, to culminate our time together doing exactly what we see in heaven, which is worship. Verse four, John is there and he says, I wept and I wept. Because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw the lamb looking as if he had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And he came and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll. You are worthy to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and tongue and nation and people and language. And at the end of the day, our culminating moment in heaven as we represent the diversity that God loves on earth as every tribe, tongue, nation, and language is in touch with one deep and prevailing reality. I was a slave. I was trapped. I was lost. Scripture says, Jesus said, anyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. It's this prevailing, overarching sentiment of I was trapped, I was enslaved, I was in bondage to the things that I could not stop on my own, and I tried and tried, and my goodness couldn't do it, and my effort couldn't do it, and my self-will couldn't do it, and my willpower couldn't do it, and I was trapped, but then he came and he ransomed me. And he rescued me and every tribe, tongue, nation, and language joins in this one song. He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. He's done it, he did it, he accomplished it. He's worthy of worship and honor and devotion and esteem. It's not Caesar and the roads in Rome. It's Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth. He alone is worthy. And the more we can operate from that mindset together, the greater our chances of illustrating on earth as it is in heaven. Unity within diversity. And in our knowledge of rescue, we respond in worship. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, I'm so thankful for this church family, for this church community, for the diversity of thought and the diversity of expression and the diversity of cultures and definitely the diversity of foods and the diversity of thought patterns and the diversity of of worship and styles, languages. Lord, would you knit our hearts together more on more on this central truth that you alone are worthy of all the glory and all the honor, devotion and power, wisdom and strength belongs to you we're gonna culminate our time together in worship today and here's what I'd love for us to do some of us need to agree with God God loves diversity and so should you we've all had different upbringings we've all had different expressions we've all had different experiences but the scripture is clear heaven is every tribe tongue nation and language if that makes you uncomfortable on earth you will be very uncomfortable in heaven so ask god to change your heart now ask him for his heart for diverse peoples maybe some here maybe watching online over in guyana need to agree with god on that central point of commonality and worship that Tuning fork, if you will, for the human soul, that Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus alone is worthy, that he's supreme, that it's not money, and it's not status, and it's not sex, and it's not relationships, and it's not image, and it's not your tribe. It's him. He is the first, and everything else comes second. I want to give an opportunity for all of us to repent, and what that Bible word means It's not so scary. It's actually a beautiful invitation. It means to change your mind. It's a change of mind it's a change of heart it ultimately precipitates a change of action eventually but it's saying jesus you're smart i agree with you and i want us to join all of heaven in adoration and worship you can stand to your feet And I'd love for us to sing this out from our hearts. If it would help you to break away and to be in a focused posture, you're welcome to come to the front at the altar and bow your knee. It says that at the end, every knee is gonna bow. Every tongue will confess, Jesus is the Lord. We're not waiting until then. If you wanna come forward and and worship up, up front here and bow your knee, you're welcome to do so. But I want us belting out from the heart, praises to God as the one worthy.
1: Great are You, Lord. It's Your breath, it. it's Your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. It's Your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. It's Your breath. In our lungs, so we pour out our faith pour out our praise your and our lungs, Lord So we pour out our praise to you only And great
0: are you Lord let sing it to him great are you Lord.
1: you Lord.
0: Jesus you alone are worthy for you were slain and you ransomed from amongst every people tribe tongue nation and language those that you called to yourself and while we were still sinners in rebellion against you you came and loved us so much that you died And you invite us into your family. And you adopt us as sons and daughters. And there is truly no one like you in all the earth. You are holy. You are good. You are righteous. You are loving. You are set apart. You are distinctly honor of worthy and praise. And so from that place, Lord, we worship you from that place we want to give honor to one another from that place we want to celebrate one another's diverse unique differences and ways that they highlight and illustrate your kingdom that one culture alone cannot do but lord it all starts it must start with you it breaks down if it doesn't god we love you we love you you're amazing Receive our worship, and Lord, I'm praying that it would be more than just songs on a Sunday, but it would be a mindset and a mentality that permeates our thoughts, actions, and decisions every single day. Lord, you said that the world would know that we're yours by the way we love each other, the way we honor each other. God, I see that in this body. I see that in this church family. It's not perfect. We're just getting started, but I see it as genuine, it's pure, it's happening. Lord, it's only going to stay there if we keep our eyes fixed on you as supreme. When we disagree with one another, we look to you. We bow before you together, collective. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Lord, would you give us the grace of of an acute and accurate awareness of where we're at. Lord, and anything else that has assumed preeminence in our hearts, anything else that has ascended to the throne, Lord, that we would cast it down as an idol, saying only he is worthy to sit on the throne of my heart, of my life. Lord, we'll miss it without your help. Help us see it clearly to repent regularly, to walk in humility because we love you and we love each other. I'm gonna invite our prayer partners up here to the front and you guys can come up now. I'm gonna close in just a moment but if you'd like prayer for, for anything, you guys can stay over on this side actually. But if you'd like prayer for, for anything, for something that this message particularly brought to mind or maybe just something going on in your life, personal life, work life, family life, whatever the case might be, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to agree with you in prayer. then we'll dismiss. Lord, I pray a blessing over your people. Would you bless them and keep them? Make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lift up your countenance upon them and give them your shalom, shalom. Your perfect peace. Give us grace to pray and to live on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.